bringing the word of the Lord this Sunday morning. I must confess and let you all know that the spirit of the Lord is upon me this morning. Because he has anointed me to plain, proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free. I feel good this morning. And I just wanted to confess to you and submit to you, brothers and sisters, I feel good the second weekend after my second pastoral anniversary. And I just want to let you all know I'm feeling more excited than ever to do what God has called me to do. Amen? Amen. So I wanted to give a special thanks to all those that sent me text messages, emails, uh, phone calls, everyone that made posts on Facebook and sent cards, everything of that nature. I appreciate you so much for congratulating me and ushering me into now my third year of pastoring New Morning Light Baptist Church and pastoring in general. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see what the Lord will do with me in ministry and to see what the Lord will do with our church. And um, it has not been by my own ability, but the collective ability of all of us in this ministry moving our church forward. You just appoint a pastor to declare and teach and preach the word of God, to operate as a shepherd, to help manipulate and um, move around some of the obstacles that may come our way. However, the true work, the laborers are you all that are watching, you all that are in the sanctuary. It says the harvest is plentiful, brothers and sisters, but the laborers are few. Amen. Somebody's read that in the Bible. And I thank you all for being the laborers that has helped our ministry come to what it is today. Amen. Amen. Speaking of laborers, I want to thank all of my deacons that helped with the street cleanup yesterday. You all were out there cleaning up the street. And if you weren't cleaning up the street, you were doing something else in the church related to, to making sure the house of God was in order. And I just wanted to thank my deacons. If you all are wondering online who I'm looking at, I'm looking at my deacons. They're in here in the sanctuary with me. You know, uh, if you all can remember, I used to preach in here alone. It just used to be me and Diane or, or me and Kellen and Bricola and, and, and a few of us just in here going back and forth, but now I've started inviting my deacons so that they can hear the word of God and encourage me as I encourage them. Amen. Uh, so I wanted to thank my deacons for that. I also wanted to thank the Andrews Family Care um, for helping out with the food pantry yesterday. You all came out in strong numbers and you all helped out with our food pantry. And I was out there too. I was holding the sign out there on the road. My arms got a little tired. But you know what? I really enjoyed doing it because I got to meet and talk to people from the community. I met somebody named Antoine. Antoine told me he was a recovering addict. And he had just gotten out of jail, and he just wanted to come and speak with me and meet with me and, tell, and find out how he could tell his testimony. He was so excited about what God had done in his life, and I was excited to be able to see what God had done in his life. Amen? Amen. So I'm just excited to see what God is doing in our community as far as uplifting those that are in need and also inspiring those that help serve those in the community. Amen? Now, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge this. Um, I found out not too long ago that one of my good friends passed away. Uh, his name was Dwayne Ty. And just to give you a little quick story, brothers and sisters, this was very difficult to me because I found out on Friday that he passed away. 
but he had died um, October 17th. He had been dead for about a month and a half. I mean, not October, uh, August 17th, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he had, he had, look, I messed up the date, but he had died um, August 17th. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is so that you can keep in mind that even though we're coming out of this pandemic, it's very important that you check on people you care about. Amen. That you check on them and call them because you don't know how long they'll be with you. Brothers and sisters, my friend Dwayne Ty was in an assistant living facility. And when I graduated from undergrad, I, I cut hair at the local barber school, and he used to come into the barber school back in 2014, and he used to let me experiment and learn how to cut hair. And we would talk while I cut his hair, and I never messed him up, but I always took good care of him, and I think he appreciated the conversation. And even after I graduated, he still called me to cut his hair. And I would go to the assistant living place, and I cut his hair, and we would talk, and I realized that he was actually alone a lot in that assisted living place. And he appreciated the companionship and just being able to talk to somebody. So I go up there and we talk and we talk about everything. I tell him about my problems. He tell me about his problems. He tell me about all the medicine he didn't feel like taking. He tell me about the bones cracking and, and all that getting up and how hard it was in the morning. And when the pandemic came, I wasn't able to see him as much. And then after me not being able to see, his, see him as much, the phone calls kind of went from at least once a month to once every three months. You know how it goes. And then you're barely calling somebody. And brothers and sisters, he had reached out to me in January. And so I was like, man, um, I hadn't heard from him in January. And it came across my mind and in my spirit. And I said, let me call Dwayne and see how he's doing. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And brothers and sisters, when I called him, I got that response where it says, we're sorry, the number you have dialed is out of service. And when I heard that, I was concerned because I knew that there was only one reason why he didn't answer the phone and his phone was off and that he had must have probably transitioned on. So I went to his Facebook page and it's interesting, he only made a Facebook page so that he could watch me preach on Sunday because he wasn't going to church. And when I told him I had become pastor of New Morning Light, he was so excited. And he made a Facebook page right there in front of me just so he could log on and watch me on Sunday. So I went to that Facebook page. He didn't have any pictures or have a lot of posts. You know how it is when you're just making a Facebook page just to support the church. He didn't have any pictures, all that fancy stuff, but he had a page. And I could see on the page where everyone was giving their condolences to his family and to him, saying that they were sad that he had passed on. And that's how I found out the news that my friend had, had transitioned. And brothers and sisters, I just want you to be in prayer with me and his family. I know he passed on in August, and they had his, his funeral, I believe, August 20th. But um, it was just disturbing to me to know that that much time had passed, and I hadn't even known my friend was gone. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to check on your family. Check on your friends. Check on people that you care about because you never know when it may be the last time that you speak to them. I didn't know the last time I cut his hair would be the last time I cut his hair. I didn't know the last time we got off the phone and said goodbye would be the last time we said goodbye. So in the midst of this pandemic, although we're coming out of it, I want you to remember to reach out to those who, who may be in assisted living, may be struggling, may not have people to check on them just to make sure they're all right. Amen. Amen. Nonetheless, I also wanted to bring up on a happier note, some of you all may know, uh, we have turkeys in the area, and yesterday I saw three turkeys across the street. 
Now, what's ironic is people are just like turkeys. And the reason why I say are, people are just like turkeys is because you can remember I told you in the sermon there was only one turkey at one time over here. And that one turkey used to come and sit in front of the church door and just look in the mirror at its reflection because I guess it reminded them of the other turkeys. Amen. And brothers and sisters, now that that turkey has hooked up with some friends, he don't come to the church no more. The turkey done got two other friends. I don't know if they're male or female, but I've watched them go to every house across the street, but haven't come over to this house like they once did. Brothers and sisters, that one turkey stays across the street. I don't know if the turkey saw the flyer that we posted about the turkey giveaway that's happening next month or what, but, but the turkey stays across the street with his friends and won't come over to the church anymore. But I want to let you know that turkey isn't by himself, but he found some friends, and I just thought that might bring some humor to you. Uh, nonetheless, brothers and sisters, there's a word from the Lord. And our word from the Lord this Sunday comes from Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31. I know originally I was just going to preach it coming from 31, but we're going to go starting from 29 and go to 31. Amen? I'm feeling good this morning, so I'm going to preach this thing best I can. Is that all right? All right, here we go. Let us pray first. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill me with a bold spirit. I pray that you would put the words in my mouth just like you did the prophets of old. I pray that you would reduce me and increase you so people don't see me, but they see you. I pray that what we preach about, what I talk about, will convict the heart, mind, and spirit to make the devil flee and to make your Holy Spirit come into fruition in the hearts and minds of my parishioners and listeners. Lord, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for what you are doing, and I thank you for what you will do. In your son Jesus' name, I pray we pray. Amen. All right, let's jump right into this word. Brothers and sisters, the text says, starting at verse 29, And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Watch this, verse 31. It says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, we got to do this in true New Morning Light fashion. i got to go back and read it. I have to ask you some questions from the text to make sure you were listening and to make sure these seeds of wisdom are planted in your spirit. Let's go back. Verse 29. It says, now, Lord, look at their threats. It says, look at their what? And grant to your servants to speak your word with all what? Boldness. My text translation say boldness. So somebody say boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal. To do what? To heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What's his name? Mm, Say that one more time. It's something about that name, Jesus. When they had prayed, what did they do? Somebody said they did what? They prayed. You got to pause on that. It said when they had prayed. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. It did what? It shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Spirit. 
and spoke the word of God with what? With boldness. Somebody say boldness. Boldness. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word. Brothers and sisters, I've deemed this month that we're in, the month of October, as the month of preparation. Amen. This is the month of preparation. This is the time when I began to sit down and analyze what our theme will be going into the new year, how will we, how we will begin to operate and move as far as our community service and outreach. This is my planning time. This is the time and season of preparation behind the scenes in the life of the church. Amen? Amen. And I've come to the conclusion that preparation is essential for the body of Christ. Somebody say preparation. Preparation Preparation is important because what it does, it allows you to see what you need to work on. It allows you to prepare what you know as far as obstacles may be coming. It allows you to get to a place where you can somewhat anticipate some of the obstacles you may come across. Amen? Amen. However, the lack of preparation is when you just go with the flow. Right? A lot of us have an issue with preparation because we like to what? Procrastinate. We like to wait till the last minute and pray that God works it out. Amen? But brothers and sisters, God doesn't want us operating from a place of procrastination. He wants us operating from a place of what? Preparation. Preparation is next to godliness. And I submit to you that procrastination is next to sin. Because what procrastination almost suggests is that you expect that you'll be here forever. Procrastination almost suggests that you're taking the will of God, the favor of God, for granted. Procrastination says, Lord, I'll be back in a second. I got some things I want to take care of on my own, right? I I, I could do that later. There's some other pressing thing. Procrastination, brothers and sisters, is not of God. So therefore, when we procrastinate, we're telling God that our agenda is above God's agenda. Therefore, in order to show God that we appreciate him, all he's done for us, and we're ready for all that he's designed for us to do, we must prepare. I submit to you this Sunday that preparation is an act of worship. Think about it. That through proper preparation, you are worshiping God by saying, Lord, I'm not taking your blessings for granted. I'm not taking anything that you do for granted for, I, I, or, or anything you've done for my family for granted. I'm going to prepare in anticipation for what I expect you to do. Amen. So therefore, we see preparation now can be added to our act of worship. But watch this. When we procrastinate, what kind of worship is that? That's an, the opposite of worship, which is in a way almost blasphemy. Because as I said earlier, we are acting as though we'll be here forever. We're acting as though every moment and every second is ours to take and ours to do with what we want to with it. We're not acting as though that we are here only on a blessing of prayer and God's grace. There's a passage of scripture that talks about people that run hither and thither preparing for tomorrow. And the text says, you need to thank God for this day. 
The text reminds us that you don't need to be talking about what you're going to do in the future. You need to be thankful for what's happening right now because it says tomorrow is not what? Is not promised. I found something interesting in, in, in Muslim culture. They, they use this word. They'll say inshallah. Uh-huh. Which means if it's the Lord's will. My grandma used to always say, if it's the Lord's will. I'll be there tomorrow. If it's the Lord's will, I'll be there to help you. And I can. Some people understand that if it's the Lord's will, because it's sad that it takes when you get a little older, you begin to realize you can't take this life for granted. Amen. Amen. And brothers and sisters, procrastination suggests that we take this life for granted. But preparation is an act of worship that shows God that we are eager to serve him, that shows God with every minute and every second, we are eager to prepare all that we need to do in our mind, body, and spirit to serve him. So preparation now is an act of worship. Here we go. Last Sunday, we were in the Old Testament, and we discussed Elisha's request for a double portion of the Holy Spirit that was on Elijah, right? We concluded in that sermon what got us here won't take us there, right? We said that we need a renewed spirit in the church, one that taught us how to listen, one that unifies us regardless of age and gender, and one that allows us to be vulnerable with each other. That's what we talked about last Sunday. But this Sunday, we're going to talk about how preparation joined with the power of the Holy Spirit, will grant you access to the boldness needed to serve God. Amen. I'll say that one more time. I don't want us to miss it. Here we go. I said, this Sunday, we will focus on how preparation, joined with the power of the Holy Spirit, grants you access to the boldness needed to serve God. You see, as a Christian and as a believer, you don't have permission to have a weak spirit. Did y'all hear that? I need you to press the like button if you're watching on Facebook. I need you to say amen in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. I said, as a Christian and as a believer, you don't have permission to have a weak spirit. You see, the very gospel message inspires and requires us to operate from a spirit of boldness. You see, Acts chapter 4, and what our scripture reading is for this Sunday, admittedly, is not about preparation. The text that I read for you, it technically isn't about preparation. Now, I'm going to do my due diligence as a pastor by telling you that up front. You know, some, sometimes as pastors, we get in the pulpit and we make a text say what, what we want it to say, right? We get up here, we got a certain theme and topic, and regardless if the verse goes with that theme or topic, we're going to make it fit, right? But I'm going to tell you up front, this text technically isn't about preparation, but it's about the boldness of the Holy Spirit, and I want us to focus on Peter and John's posture of prayer this Sunday. And although the text isn't about preparation, 
I want you to see through their posture of prayer, they ask God for boldness through the Holy Spirit. See, I went, I went the scenic route to, to, to get to the point. That, that, that I'm going to remind you, the text isn't about preparation, but we're going to examine how they prepared for their situation through praying and petitioning to God to prepare their spirit. Let's go back to the text. I'm one of those pastors that we're going to stay in the text. It says, and now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Watch this. This is how you know they prayed. It says in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That means God answered their prayers and filled them with the Holy Spirit. So we must examine their posture of prayer and how they prepared for the situation. You see, this is Peter and John here in the text. Peter and John have experiences that they've had with Jesus. You see, they've walked with Jesus. They've talked with Jesus. They've healed with Jesus. They've eaten meals with Jesus. They know Jesus. You see, they understand the importance of not only preparing their mind, but also their spirit. You see, through them walking with Jesus and watching Jesus perform the miracles, and in some cases performing miracles with them, their body is prepared. Their mind is prepared. But if you hadn't noticed, we're in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is different from the Gospels because the book of Acts is where the Holy Spirit falls. The Holy Spirit comes down. And we're just coming out of all the Gospels. And if you know what's taking place in the Gospels, Jesus was born. Jesus has grown up. Jesus has done his full ministry. Jesus is crucified. Jesus dies. But then Jesus resurrects. And in the book of Acts, Jesus has come back to visit them and ascended to the Father, but left them with the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, we now find Peter and John and the rest of the disciples in a hard place. They're in a very difficult place because they're in a time of transition. They're in a time of transition between the old religion, the old Jewish way and moving into the new Jewish tradition, right? That's why the Old Testament is called the Old Testament, which means Old Covenant. And the New Testament is the New Testament, which means the New Covenant, right? The Old Covenant, you had to sacrifice lambs and animals and all those things, and the blood is what purifies you from all your sin. But under the New Covenant, the Lamb is now the Lamb of God. The lamb is now Jesus Christ. And that blood is what covers a multitude of sin. That's why Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. That's what Isaiah says. And that attests to now the new covenant. But guess what? Everybody's not on board with the new covenant. Everybody's not on board with the new transition. Matter of fact, it was the old religion and the old transition that crucified Jesus. And brothers and sisters, we have now Peter 
John and, 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 and the rest of the disciples in a rock in a hard place. Because Jesus is now ascended to the Father. And he's left them. And guess what? They have a decision to make. They can either go back to business as usual, or they can move forward with the newness of this new covenant. Mm. There's some parallels here between our world and their world. You see, we're also at a crossroads in this current time where, 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 where we've just had a pandemic. We can either go back to business as usual when we come out of the pandemic, or we can move forward into a new way of doing church. We can move forward in a new form of religion. We, 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 we can be comfortable. Amen? Some of us have been real comfortable in the sense we've been at home, we even hadn't had to go to work. Some companies have completely transitioned their in-office uh, jobs to now at-home work situations. Now at church, you can either come to church or you can either watch online. People not asking you to come here and go there. You don't have to waste gas, time, energy, or even an outfit. You can do it all from your living room or your bedroom. It's comfortable. And you can even use, and I won't call it an excuse, you can use the valid reason of the pandemic. You can use the reason of getting sick not to come, not to do things. But brothers and sisters, as we prepare for a new year, all that stuff is going to go out of the window. There's going to come a crossroads in your own theology and relationship with God where you're going to have to choose between the old way. Choose between comfortability and fear or choose between purpose and preparation of moving forward. Brothers and sisters, Peter and John are in the place of choosing between comfortability or the fear of being cursed, persecuted, or moving forward with God, with what God has charged them to do. And they understand that while they've been with Jesus, their spirit was relying on him. But now that Jesus is gone, they need a renewed spirit. They need a bold spirit because they don't have Jesus to rely on anymore. He's not physically there anymore. They, 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 they can't rely on him every time something doesn't work out. You remember the story where the young man had a son and he said, I brought my son who was demon possessed to your disciples and they couldn't get him out. So now I'm bringing him to you. And he says, if you could heal him, if you can heal him, Please heal my son because your disciples couldn't do it. And this is where Jesus got funny with him. He said, if I can. If I can. He said, all things are possible for those who believe. Then after that, here come the disciples. Well, Jesus, why, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we have the power? And he told him, this demon only comes out with prayer and fasting. This demon is going to take another type of bold spirit from you. Brothers and sisters, they realize that they didn't have enough, even when Jesus is there. So now they're afraid because Jesus is gone. And they're petitioning to God to have a bolder spirit, to have a renewed relationship. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you this Sunday. We've been out of church for a long time. 
We've been watching online for a long time. You've been able to eat, do laundry, play on your phone, take naps, drive to the store, do whatever you were doing while watching the service, doing all kinds of things. And, 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 and brothers and sisters, I would suggest that your spirit subconsciously isn't in the same place that it was when you were attending church every day. Brothers and sisters, not only that, but your spirit has constantly been hit with the news of death, with the news of tragedy, with the news of chaos in the media, with the news and fear of of a virus that has been taking the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Your spirit has just been hit time and time again with all of these negative things. For two years. And you've gotten out of the rhythm of church, the rhythm of the community of believers. And now you've been at home and the world's rhythm has gotten into you. And brothers and sisters, we have to realize that the Bible says in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, for those looking for it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Come on, somebody but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on your full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That means stand with a certain aspect of boldness. And brothers and sisters, the enemy has been at work. And you know, the enemy is a trickster. The enemy don't come looking evil, the enemy comes feeling good. The enemy comes looking good, and ooh, it's felt good to be at home. It's felt good to be comfortable. But that's right where the enemy wants you because now your spirit isn't on fire the same way. Now you haven't been moving and working and been doing things on behalf of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the enemy has now found fertile soil in which to plant his seeds. And brothers and sisters, I pray that each one of you pray a prayer just like Peter and John and say, I see their tactics. Hold on, the text says exactly. It says, and now, Lord, look at their threats. Talking about the enemy. Grant to your servants to speak the word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand of healing. We need healing. Our world needs healing now. Our spirits need healing now. Our minds need healing. After two years of what we've gone through, y'all must have forgot. Remember, I was, up, I was in here preaching, and I had to go back and change the beginning of one sermon because I was telling folks, don't go and riot downtown. Don't set the city on fire. And while I was saying that, because you remember I used to record on Friday uh, in the evening, they had already gotten down there and started tearing the city up. That was the first day of the riots. And, and it seemed like we had riots and protests for about five or six months all across the United States. They were setting the, set the United States on fire, Amen. brothers and sisters, Amen. shaking some things up. So, brothers and sisters, there's been a lot going on in the world for two years. You've experienced a lot and don't even realize it. And all that stuff has poured into your spirit and you haven't had the concentrated dose of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. 
You've been getting that watered-down version on your TV screen. You've been settling down for, for TV dinners. Yeah. Ain't had no full-course meal in a long time. And I'm telling you, October is the month of preparation. Because we ain't going to be doing this forever. We're we, we, we going to keep our online platform, but I'm going to keep encouraging you once this stuff wraps up to not stay at home, but to come back to church to get a concentrated dose of the Holy Ghost. Come on now, somebody. You, 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 you all know about that concentrate. Sometimes you would get the concentrated cranberry or the concentrated grape juice to make another juice, and you have to add some water with it. Amen. And you'd add water with it to dilute it a little bit because it'd be too strong. And that concentrate could get you a long ways and last a long amount of time. But brothers and sisters, if you try to add water to something that's already diluted, guess what? Yeah, well, it don't taste as good. Y'all know how it is when you have a drink and you drunk it all and it's still a little bit left at the bottom, but the ice is melted and and, and you're still trying to drink it because it tastes good, but it just doesn't taste the same. Brothers and sisters, that that's... The power of God works, but it's just not the same when you're not in the sanctuary. It's just not the same when you're not around your, your, your faith group of believers. You need that concentrated dose of the Holy Ghost. You need to feel that fire and get it shut up in your bones. Amen. Come on, somebody. We, 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 we've gotten comfortable. And what I found out from the Center for Infectious Diseases research policy is that during COVID-19, rates of depression and anxiety have tripled in the U.S. across demographics and races. It's tripled. You know what anxiety and depression is. That's a spirit of fear. That's a spirit of doubt. That's not of God. They didn't say a spirit of righteousness has tripled across America. They didn't say a spirit of peace has tripled across America. They said a spirit of depression and anxiety has tripled. The brothers and sisters, I came to let you know this Sunday that 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God hath not given us. Some translations say a spirit of anxiety. It said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power. A spirit of what? Love. And then a spirit of what? A sound mind. None of that sounds like anxiety. None of that sounds like in, a, 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 a depression. John 14, 26, 27 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Deacon Wallace read this earlier. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Brothers and sisters, this pandemic has given us fear and anxiety, depression. But God has given us the Holy Spirit. God has given us a spirit of peace. We find ourselves here in the text in Acts chapter 4 where Peter and John prayed. They said, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They prayed, and it said after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
Brothers and sisters, Peter and John understood that they'd had the experiences. They'd had the preparation. But they realized with preparation, they needed the Holy Spirit. They realized with preparation, they needed boldness. And I must ask you, do you still have a bold spirit? Do you still have bold faith? Or has your faith been watered down? Has your spirit been watered down these past two years in the pandemic? Do, 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 do we still have the boldness to believe in this thing called the Holy Spirit? Do you even remember the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you the resume. If you've forgotten, the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 was there in the beginning. He said before anything was created, the Spirit of God hovered between the darkness and the waters of the deep. That was in Genesis 1. That's on the first page. Here we go. Genesis 2. God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a what? A living soul. Holy Spirit been working thousands of years ago. Maybe I need to go to Numbers in the book of Numbers. It said, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, with you, a man whom is the spirit, and lay your hands on him. Thus Moses transferred his authority to Joshua to lead the Israelites from the wilderness into the promised land. Come on, let me come to Judges 6. And it said, the spirit of God came upon Gideon. Gideon was the judge, and he blew the trumpets, and his 300 soldiers defeated the 130 Midianite soldiers. That's what the Holy Spirit could do. The Holy Spirit was in Judges 14, and it said, The Spirit came upon Samson, giving him the power to kill a lion, giving him the power to kill 1,000 men with the jawbone of the donkey, and giving him the power to pull down the pillars of the temple, killing the Philistines. This is the Holy Spirit now. The Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4 said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. This is what Jesus said in the temple, that that's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. That's why you get that saying or that passage of Scripture that says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, because the Holy Spirit that resides in Jesus is supposed to set us free. Set us free from fear. Set us free from depression. Set us free from all the things that make us comfortable. All the things that hold us back. Brothers and sisters, Romans 8 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. That's the spirit they're praying for. That's the bold spirit they're asking for. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, you profess and believe you are connected to a spirit of power. Somebody say power. A spirit that has been working, is working, and continues to work. This spirit has been working over thousands of years. 
said it was there in the beginning before the earth was formed, before animals were formed, before plants were formed, before humanity was formed. The earth said the Holy Spirit was hovering between the darkness. This before even light was called out of the darkness into the sky. The Holy Spirit was there hovering between the darkness and open waters. So the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And brothers and sisters, I want you to be prepared. I know that I said this text isn't about preparation, but look at their posture of prayer. And look how they prepared for this transition by asking for a bold spirit. You see, before we can be bold, we must prepare. I want you to understand that arrogance is boldness and having preparation and knowledge without God. That's what arrogance is. Let me say it again for my, my people that are taking notes. I said arrogance is boldness and preparation with knowledge without God. Watch this. Ignorance is boldness with a lack of preparation and knowledge. That's ignorance. But confidence is arrogance with God. Hmm? Confidence is when we're bold, we're prepared, and we're knowledgeable. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what separates us from being arrogant and what separates us from being ignorant. Confidence is that aspect of the partnership between preparation and the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, God wants us to be confident and bold in our faith in him through proper preparation. Psalm 46 said, be still and know that I am God. And it's through surrendering to the stillness, God is preparing you. Y'all ain't fall asleep on that, did you? I said, Psalms 46 says, be still and know that I am God. That's, that's the hardest part of that psalm we have trouble with. When it says, be still, because oftentimes we, we, we want to be busybodies. We want to be moving because it's something about moving that makes us feel like we're doing something. You want to know something interesting? As you know, I always have examples with cars. Um, I don't like sitting in traffic. And sometimes I will find myself taking the long way around just to get somewhere so I'll avoid traffic. And realistically, the amount of time that I sat in traffic might have been the same amount of time it took me going the long way. But because I'm moving... I feel like I'm doing something. And brothers and sisters, we oftentimes can be that same way. That if we had just waited on God and with God, the amount of time that we've exerted so much energy moving, we could have reached the same destination in the same amount of time. But because we wanted to do what we wanted to do on our time and our terms, we felt good just moving. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you, sometimes God wants you to sit in it. Sometimes God wants you to marinate so you can see him at work and not you at work. Because he's preparing you in the waiting. He's helping you get prepared through you sitting in the discomfort, brothers and sisters. See, the word prepare is defined as make ready. Right? When you spell the word, you got that P-R-E, that pre. That means before. Before. 
right? And then you got the P-A-R-E at the end, which in Latin means to make ready. So this is before something is ready. That's what prepare does. So before you can be ready, God has to prepare you. You see, I want you to understand everything God does prepares us for what we've either asked for or for what he's called us to do. Rarely does God spontaneously do things. God prepares his people and his world with order. Deacon Cloud, I know you like examples. So I'm going to give you an example. Watch this. Going back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God calls light into darkness and creates the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. Now, you know, God is all powerful. God is omnipotent, omniscient and can do all things. God could have snapped his fingers and the world was there. Everything could have been there all at once. But God saw the necessity to make one thing on one day, something else on the second day and continue in a succession. So each day had a specific order and had a specific method he used for creation. He didn't put the humans before the plants. He didn't put the animals before he gave them a place to live or something to eat. Everything had its succession. So therefore, we see God loves preparation. God is intentional with this preparation. God isn't spontaneous, just randomly doing things. Y'all need something else. Genesis 36, chapter 36 through uh, chapter 50. God prepares Joseph to become governor of Egypt. He prepared Joseph to become second in command to Egypt. What did he do? He allowed Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Right? And from being sold into slavery by his brothers, he learned about treachery from his own family. What happened next? He was lied on by Potiphar's wife. Remember, Potiphar made those sexual advances on him. Potiphar's wife, and she was already married to his master. And Joseph refused her. And so, 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 so what did God teach him there? He taught him about sexual discipline. Yeah. Not selling yourself out for your own fleshly desires. Watch this. Next, he's put in jail and becomes the overseer. And it says while he's in jail, he found favor with the warden and he put him over everything in the prison. So then he learned about management. And finally, before he was released from prison, two more people are sent to the jail. And he prophesies by answering their dreams or telling them what their dreams mean. And then he learns about prophecy. So then we learn everything that Joseph went through was in succession for him to become the governor of Egypt. He wouldn't know how to rule Egypt if he hadn't learned the managerial skills from Potiphar's house and from prison. He wouldn't have learned discipline if he hadn't been disciplined enough with Potiphar's wife making those advances against him. He wouldn't learn how to move and navigate through betrayal and treachery if he hadn't been betrayed by his family. And what that should teach you, brothers and sisters, is that sometimes your family going to let you down. Sometimes people are going to manipulate you and lie on you. Sometimes you're going to find yourself at the bottom when you're qualified to be at the top. And you're going to have a lot of questions about why God is letting this happen. Why God is allowing these people to say these things about you. Why are your own family members persecuting you? But you also need to stop 
and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Stop and say, Lord, what are you preparing me for in the midst of this persecution? Y'all need some more examples about preparation. Here we go on Isaiah. Isaiah says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with a child and shall bear a son and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, this is in the Old Testament and it's prophesying about Jesus in the New Testament. That means before Jesus came and died on the cross and was resurrected for our sins, it was already prophesied about in the Old Testament. That means God prepared for that moment before Jesus was even born. Here we go. John 1 says, John the Baptist said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Before Jesus came, John came. And John came preaching a gospel of repentance and baptism. That means God, John prepared the way for people to receive Jesus. And it goes to show you that God has been intentional from the beginning with how he prepares his children, by what he does in the life of his children. And brothers and sisters, we must ask ourselves, what is God preparing us for? Whenever you feel like God isn't listening, whenever you feel like God has left left you, change your mindset. Ask for a renewed spirit and say, Lord, what are you preparing me for? You see, prepare means to make ready. And God prepares everyone and everything before they're ready. So therefore, if you're praying for patience, guess what? He's going to prepare you through waiting. If you're praying for peace, guess what? God is going to remove people and things that you thought you needed. Which means you're going to hurt a little bit. It means it's going to feel bad. If you're praying for wisdom and discernment, guess what? God's going to bring more problems your way for you to solve. If you're praying for healing, guess what? God is going to expose the weakness in your body so you can get it healed. So every time you pray for something, you must ask yourself, are you prepared to be prepared for what God, for what you've asked God for? Y'all might have missed that. I said, are you prepared to be prepared for what God is going to do in your life? Are you prepared to be prepared for what you ask God for? Because oftentimes we ask God for things as though he's just going to make it happen. Then when hardship comes, then when difficulties come, we're praying, oh, woe is me. Lord, why this? Why that? And I'm sure God is saying, well, you asked me for this. Now I'm preparing you for it. So are you now telling me you aren't willing to put in the work to receive what you've now asked for? Because with every blessing comes responsibility. And any blessing before the predestined time can become a curse, which means you can ask for that promotion, which means you can ask for that significant other. And if you aren't mentally or physically prepared, you'll mess it up the way you messed other things up because your mind isn't right. Your heart isn't right. You know, I found out from somebody and I might have said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Act like you never heard. When people win the lottery, most times they're in worse financial positions after they win than before. Yeah. 
Because while their financial situation has changed, guess what? Their mind ain't changed. Those habits that they always used to spend money didn't go anywhere. And they used those same habits that led them to the lifestyle of poverty, even though their lifestyle has now changed and they have money and they resort back to poverty. So therefore, God knows this and knows that we must be prepared mentally and spiritually before he can just grant us things. So therefore, we must be thankful for God that prepares us. And instead of asking for more things, ask for preparation. Got to be like John. You got to be like Peter. And you got to pray and say, grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, give signs and wonders, and they're performed in the name of your holy servant. He said, grant us this, Lord, to have a bold spirit. So I'm going to ask you again, are you prepared to be prepared for what you've asked God for? Brothers and sisters, whenever you ask God for something, God first prepares you for what you've asked for. Because always remember, a blessing too early can become a curse. God just didn't automatically give the disciples the ability to heal and do miracles. Imagine that. Imagine as soon as Jesus got his disciples, he gave them that ability to heal and prophesy and do miracles and things of that nature. They would have been off running around trying to make money off of that. They'd have been on the corner. Get your miracles. Come get them. (laughs) You pay me, I'll pay you. Come on now. They'd have had a scheme coming because watch this. They left their jobs. They weren't working. They didn't have much. They were following Jesus around. Remember, Jesus said, he said, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And if you really look at the story, Jesus was hanging with everybody in their homeboy getting a place to stay. Remember, he saw Zacchaeus and he said, come out of that tree. I'm coming to stay with you tonight. He didn't have a home. And neither did his disciples. And it's one thing if Jesus show up and that's one person, but he had 12 other Negroes with him needing a place to stay. So Jesus had to work on their heart and their spirit first before just giving them those abilities. Because they'd have been all hustling because you know how we do. We'll turn a hustle. We'll turn anything into a hustle real fast. But the disciples didn't do that. Remember, they didn't charge people for their miracles and gifts. They gave freely. Brothers and sisters. So what I want you to understand is God appreciates and likes when we're prepared likes us to be prepared. Let me give you an example. Some of you all like to cook. Deacon Harris, I know you're a good cook. I've had, I've, I've had some of the, your cooking myself. I, it's almost that time again to get some more of that because it's been a while. I appreciate you throwing down in the kitchen. And, and you know, Deacon, I realize there's two types of cooks. There are the cooks that prepare and there are the cooks that cook from scratch. Now, I've learned that the cooking from scratch means that you haven't really prepared, that you're getting all the little leftover ingredients you find in your cupboard or in the closet and, and you you making something out of, uh, out of nothing and preparing a meal. Now, those meals are good. Some people can throw down cooking from scratch, but you may not have everything that the recipe called for because you're cooking from scratch. However, those that prepare, 
You know how those people are. They, they got their chicken station here. They got their, their seasoning station here. They got all of their sauces and stuff that they've been letting sit overnight over here on this side. And they got little stations to where they know how everything is going to go and when it needs to be brought into the dance and into, into, into the mix of what they're going to prepare for. Some, some people are real good with it. They have it all nice, neat, and, and in order. And some people know how to clean as they go when they cook to eliminate the process of having to clean at the end. You know those people that are prepared. Now, brothers and sisters, the irony of this is that both meals are good. Y'all had some good cooking from scratch meals. You've had some good prepared meals. So they both can achieve the same goal. However, the difference is they reach the goal through different methods. One cook is thriving because they got all the ingredients. They got all the utensils. The other cook is just getting by. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you, and I want you to pay attention to this, that God is equally concerned about our methods as much as he's concerned about us achieving our goals. The God isn't only concerned about you being successful. He's also concerned about the method in which you reach that success, the method in which you serve him. Because God wants you to be prepared. God is equally concerned with our methods as much as God is concerned about us achieving our goal. God doesn't want us just surviving from day to day. God at some point wants us to thrive. Wants us to move out of surviving to thriving. And you can only thrive through proper preparation and planning. Preparation joined with the power of the Holy Spirit will grant us access to boldness needed to serve God. However, poor planning and just surviving, you're more concerned about how you're going to get by from day to day than concerned about how you can serve God. Amen? Amen. You're distracted by things of the world, and when you're just surviving, you're swayed by things of the world because then people can come with favors, then people can come with money, then people can come with glitter and gold to distract you. But, 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 but when you're not in survival mode and you're in preparation mode, you know, hey, I'm, I'm focused. I don't have time to be distracted by things of the world. I'm only focused on things of God. So God wants us to be prepared. The text says, be ye prepared in season and out of season. That means don't let anything catch you off guard. You don't ever need to just be surviving. You must be prepared, brothers and sisters. You see, I taught this text to you a little bit backwards. You know, normally I give you all the historical background first, and then I, then, then I go into all these examples. But I want to give you the practical examples first, then I'm going to go into the background. What I want you to see about this is, learn from this is that this text here is specifically about the boldness brought by the Holy Spirit. For those of you all that don't know, the book of Acts is solely about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit falls, right? Book of Acts was written by Luke, the good doctor, and it's technically the second part of the gospel of Luke. Some biblical scholars call it Luke-Acts. Because Acts is really the second account of what takes place in Luke. 
And it tells the story of the work of the disciples after Jesus is resurrected and goes up to the Father. Right? So we're here in the text. And this story spans from Acts chapter 3 to Acts chapter 4. And this is a very interesting story of Peter and John. And I'm going to give you the Charles Hamilton revised version. Amen? So watch this. Peter and John are at this gate called Beautiful. I'm about to lead you to where we are here for our text today. Ride with me now. Y'all ready? You got your seatbelts? You buckled in? Let's go. Here we go. Peter and John are at this gate called Beautiful. They're at this gate called Beautiful, and this is this temple known as Solomon's Porthole or Colonnade, I should say. And they're here, and while they're there, a man that is lame from birth is brought to them. Now, people bring this man that is lame from birth, and they lay him at the gate called Beautiful. And the man does this routine that he does every time that he's laid at this gate. He begins to beg. And as he begins to beg, he sees Peter and John. And in true beggar fashion, he has his sign ready. He's ready to ask them for something. And he goes and says, can you give me something? Do you have anything to, to, to spare? The text specifically says he asked for alms. John looks at him and says, look at us. Basically, what do we have to give you? He says, look at us. The text says the beggar looked at him, expecting to receive something. But then Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you freely. And he says, stand up and walk. And brothers and sisters, the lame man from birth, the text says, gains strength in his legs. And he stands up and walks. And in that very moment, a generational, a cycle, a curse has been broken that he's resigned himself to day after day coming to that temple begging. People had kept him in that cycle of begging. But these two people, Peter and John, come and break that cycle by granting him healing in that moment he needed it. And the text says he jumps up, he's leaping, he's dancing, and he's running around. And now people are watching. They, they see, uh-oh, these two jokers done healed this man. So a crowd forms, and Peter and John, I, have, I can see them grinning. They, they're like, oh, I got your attention now. I have done a little, a little trick and act, a, 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 a magic trick. And guess what? They don't ask for money. They don't ask for any handouts. They don't ask for anything special. What they do is begin preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They said, the man whom you crucified, through that power, I was able to give this man his strength and ability to walk. And they began preaching this gospel and going on about how this healing comes from no other name. And guess what happens? The police show up, say, come on, we got to break all this up. And they keep preaching the gospel. He's like, oh, come on, we got to break all this up. And they wind up getting arrested and thrown into jail because during that time, it was illegal to then preach the gospel of somebody that had been crucified by the empire, right? That was treason. The, the, the empire has deemed Jesus a criminal so much so that they've killed him. And now Peter and John are going preaching that he's risen from the dead. So they lock him up. And when they lock him up, watch this. The text says, Ananias, the high priest, and, and Caphias, and all those of the royal priest family, says they come to these men. 
And they said, Peter and John are now standing trial. And they have one question they asked them. They said, by what power or by what name do you do this? Here goes that Holy Spirit. Here comes that boldness. The text says, I'm in chapter 4, I'm at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked, how is this man and how is it he's been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. Watch what they say. They're so bold. They go as far as to say, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Oh, they bold now. Oh, there's some bold jokes. They're talking to the judge. They're in the court. They're standing trial. And, and, and the judge has asked, who gave you this authority to go around healing people? And they respond by saying, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Brothers and sisters, they know that they can be killed. They know that they can be locked up for the rest of their life. But they know also it's something about the name Jesus. They know it's something about the Holy Spirit that causes them to push with a certain boldness that they can't be resisted. Watch this. The text says, I'm now at verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. Let me go back to that. He said they looked at them and realized they was uneducated. They didn't, hadn't been to school. They didn't have any degrees. They didn't come from money. They said they, these were ordinary men. And they were amazed, and it said they recognized they had been with Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I must ask you the question, is your boldness in faith so strong that folks can recognize that you're a believer of God? Can people recognize that you have faith? Can people recognize that you're a Christian? Brothers and sisters, this is a type of bold faith that only comes through the Holy Spirit and proper preparation. Brothers and sisters, they told them, okay, we see that you healed this man, but y'all can't go nowhere else doing this. Otherwise, we're going to have to lock you up again. And guess what Peter and John said? They said, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we can't keep from speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Brothers and sisters, they were so bold that they told the judge what they weren't going to do. They said, I believe in God so strongly, I'm going to tell you what, you, what I'm not going to do, despite all the opposition that you tell me I will face. And brothers and sisters, that boldness that only comes with the Holy Spirit comes when you put all on the line. 
comes when you sacrifice everything, comes when you say, Lord, I'm going to give you all of myself and not some of myself. I'm going to stand on this boldness that only comes from you. Now, I'm going to wrap it up with this. The deep part about this, what should make you shout, is these are the same disciples that are in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. Y'all know what happened there? Come on now. I'm about to tell you. I said, we in John, chapter 20, verse 19. It says, when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Let me go back and read that, y'all. I think y'all done missed. I think y'all done missed that. I know I've been up here preaching for a while, but I, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make this thing plain. Here, here it goes. It said, when it was evening, on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. These are the same disciples that after Jesus was crucified were back in the house hiding. They hiding because they're afraid that the same fate that happened to Jesus would happen to them. These are those disciples. They've been walking with Jesus for a long time now. And now that he's gotten killed, they're worried about themselves, worried about their well-being. But hold on. We done got to Acts and those same disciples are now standing in front of the same people they're afraid of and said, do what you must do, but we're going to do what we called to do. Those same disciples are saying, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mortals by which we can be saved. Those same disciples are now emboldened by the Holy Spirit. They say, it don't matter what you're going to do to us. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not scared anymore because I know what I've been called to do. And brothers and sisters, I just want you to be prepared. We ain't got to do this right now. But at some point, we're going to reach a point in our faith. Some point, we're going to reach a point in, in the life of our church. But we got to stop eating TV dinners. We got to come on back now. You know, at some point, we got to change our spiritual worship and show God, yes, I know we had to do what we had to do in the pandemic, but it's time to come back and serve you fully. I need a full concentration of your spirit. I don't need a watered-down version. I don't need a petty play version. I need the fullness of your spirit. Brothers and sisters, what we've learned today is that preparation with the Holy Spirit gives us boldness. You see, situations we thought were meant to harm us, God uses to prepare us. And if we just sit still and know that he's real, we'll learn something. If we endure the discomfort and not let it overcome us, we'll see God is preparing us to be used by the Spirit. You see, as believers, the first step, is letting God prepare us through the trials, tribulations, disappointment, betrayal, loss of people, family, and friends. But the final step is submitting to the Holy Spirit. 
to free you from fear, to free you from guilt, to free you from pain, to free you from sadness, and allows you to stand with boldness filled with the will of God. You see, brothers and sisters, preparation gives you knowledge. The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. Preparation can give you stamina, but the Holy Spirit can give you perseverance. Preparation can make you arrogant, but the Holy Spirit can turn that arrogance into bold confidence. Preparation can give you strength, but the Holy Spirit can give you power. Preparation can bring you resources, but the Holy Spirit can bring you health. Preparation allows you to rely on you, but the Holy Spirit allows you to rely on God. Preparation combined with the Spirit of God gives you the boldness to fulfill the will of God. So I just got to ask you the question. Are you prepared to be prepared for what you ask God for? Are you prepared to be prepared for what God needs to use you for? Are you prepared for the boldness of the Holy Spirit? At this time, I just want to extend the invitation to those of you all that are looking for a bold spirit. For those of you all that are looking, that are looking for a real and genuine connection with God. That yes, the things of the world will fail you. Yes, the things of the world have been depressing. Yes, the things of the world have caused you much pain and doubt. But I want to connect you to a Savior that can bring you peace. I want to connect you to a Savior that can bring you comfort. And if you take the time to be like Peter and John and pray for the Holy Spirit, pray for a boldness to be used, you'll see transformation of your life. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to leave today without knowing that whenever you ask God for something, God will prepare you for it. And don't think that because the hardships that you're enduring are a result of God forgetting about you or leaving you, but it's actually the result of God preparing you. And for those of you all that don't have a relationship with God but want to be connected to a God that prepares you and just doesn't throw you out there and leaves you, I pray that you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then you get connected with a church home to help shepherd you through this journey called life. If you're looking for a church home, we would love to be your church home here at New Morning Light Baptist Church. And I would love to be your pastor teaching you the precepts for living and showing you the way in which you should live according to the will of God. But if you're still struggling with that and need more time, I pray that you pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I invite you into my heart, mind, and soul. And I pray that you dispel all the negativity, the evil, the things, the principalities that are unseen that try to attack me and stop me from being all you called me to be. And I pray that you would move in my situation so that I can get connected to you. I pray that you would remove all barriers from my life so that I can be connected to you. Lord, give me a renewed heart, a renewed spirit, so that I can get connected to you. Lord, I want the bold spirit of Peter and John. Lord, I want the bold spirit of the disciples that spread your gospel despite persecution, despite being killed, despite all the ridicule. Lord, we need a bold spirit. So we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit on this world in which we live. In your son Jesus' name, I pray, we pray. Amen.